Hello, and thank you for listening to today's broadcast from Stony Point Baptist Church with Pastor Jim England. Today's message, Upside Down Thinking, is the eighth message in the series, Jesus' Ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And now, here's Brother Jim. Okay, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles. We're going to look in Luke chapter 6. So we're going to pick up with verse 20 this morning. And this is a look at Beatitudes. Now, normally when you think about the Beatitudes, you think about Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And so some people think that that's what you have here in Luke. Although, there's some differences. And I really believe that what we have is a different sermon that Jesus preached. Some people call this the Sermon on the Plain. You know, it's okay sometimes to be able to have some of the same subject and just to repeat it because there's some truths that are just so good that you need to hear over and over again. And so I'm sure that Jesus did that. There is some differences. And so today we're looking at these Beatitudes. In Matthew's Gospel, there's on the Sermon on the Mount, there's eight Beatitudes. Here there's four, but then there's also four woes just the opposite, which you didn't have on the Sermon on the Mount, which is kind of interesting. So let's just pick up Luke chapter 6, verse 20. Here's what it says. It said, Then Jesus lifted his eyes toward his disciples. He said to them, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. And blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. And blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe of you when all men speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. And let's have prayer together. Lord, will you just help us to have wisdom and knowledge and be able to gain from you insights for our lives. Lord, may your Holy Spirit have a freedom just to work among us and to teach us. And Lord, may you just bless each one that's here. Each person, may they just sense you working and moving in their lives. Lord, we want to serve you. We want to follow you. We want to honor you with all we've got. So help us to accomplish that. I just pray your blessings and guidance now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard about a salesman years ago that uh, stopped at this farm. He was going to dairies. So this old farmer, he had 12 dairy cows. So the salesman came in. He said, you know, they come out with something that's new. I've got this apparatus. It's called a milk machine. He said, this will save you time. He said, and I'd like to demonstrate it to you. He said, well, I've got 12 cows. He said, you can choose any of them but Betsy. She's on the stall on the end. Don't go to her. So the salesman thought, what's this farmer know? You know, I'll just go to Betsy and I'll just show him how this works. He went right down to the end where Betsy was. Took his apparatus out, this milk machine. Got it about three-fourths of the way and all of a sudden, he was doing fine. Almost complete and then Betsy went berserk. 
she started kicking and next thing you know this salesman's out of that stall he came a flying out and he's bleeding the farmer calls for his wife and she's fixing him up and and he's just thinking oh man betsy's in no good mood now now i got to get this thing off of her <laughs> uh but he gets it all gets everything off and gets that salesman up the salesman doesn't thank him the salesman doesn't say anything but he gets him loaded back up in his car and he takes off now what's that salesman's problem his problem was he didn't want to listen he thought he was smarter than that old farmer and he just did not want to listen you know sometimes we can be that way we can be so stubborn that we don't want to listen we don't want to listen to God the Holy Spirit and we don't want to listen to the words of Christ Jesus is speaking and we certainly don't want to be kicked out of the stall Jesus is speaking and some of the words that he says is almost like upside down thinking we're like wait a minute this doesn't necessarily make sense but it's so important that we take time to listen to what Jesus has to be able to say to us now let's put this in context in chapter 6 let's just go back just a little bit so we can get it in context verse 12 tells us that Jesus had went up and prayed and he prayed and prayed and then Jesus decided who would be the 12 disciples so there's a lot of prayer and apparently there's a lot of people that wanted that position so Jesus has picked out the 12 and it lists them for us then we're told after that that Jesus began to to heal and it drew crowds and here's what was happening people began to whisper Jesus is the Messiah and there's people that said we want to make him our king and there were people that were like we're ready right now to rebel against Rome we're ready to take up arms and go to war and the disciples were listening they were seeing Jesus do these miracles and in their minds they were thinking We've become disciples. Why? This is wonderful. We're going to be powerful. We're going to be rich. And we're going to be popular. So Jesus looks at the disciples. And that's where we pick up in verse 20. See, because notice it says, Then he lifted his eyes toward the disciples. He's speaking to the disciples. Because they've taken on this mindset. They're hearing all these things. You know that Satan's at work trying to be able to tempt. Get you thinking the wrong way. And so Jesus begins to speak right toward them. Now he doesn't mind that there's other people around listening. He's happy for other people to listen in and to gain from this insight. So Jesus is speaking directly to the twelve. And you know, he's speaking also to us. To people that get the wrong ideal of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And so Jesus starts off and he says, Blessed are you poor. And then notice what he says. For yours is the kingdom of God. So let's just think about what Jesus is saying here so we can eliminate something here. Is Jesus saying that a person has to be poor in poverty to get to heaven? Is that really what Jesus is saying? That's what it almost sounds like. To be able to get to heaven, you just got to become poor. I think there's a couple more things Jesus is really saying here. So 
put this down, Matthew 5, 3. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. And on the Sermon on the Mount, here's what Jesus, he starts off the Beatitudes. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that realize their spiritual condition. See, you're not going to make it into heaven until you realize your poverty spiritually. And the truth of the matter is, none of us are so good that we're close and walking with God. In fact, it's the opposite. We're in spiritual poverty. We're sinners. And that sin has separated us from God. And now as we try to be righteous, we can't. Our righteousness are like filthy rags. It just doesn't make it. And so when you come to that point, then you finally have come to the point where you can be saved. When you realize your need. And so here, we start with, when Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor, they can be able to find the kingdom of heaven. If you're going to be saved, you've got to realize your poverty spiritually. And once we do that, then we can trust in the Christ. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came so that we could have life. He came to die in our place so that we could be forgiven. And so each person here, we sung the hymn a while ago, whosoever surely meaneth me. Well, it does. But you've got to come to the point where you realize it does mean me. And so when Jesus is talking about blessed are the poor, blessed are those that realize their need, their need for me, their sinful condition. They can be saved. He's also, I think, talking a little bit more about us being humble. Listen to what David said. David said this in the book of Psalms. In Psalm 40, verse 17, he said, But I'm poor and needy. Wait a minute. King David? Is he, was he physically poor? Most people would say David had plenty. He's king. So these are psalms attributed to King David. So it's not talking about himself as far as his physically being poor as far as not having money. But David realizes, I'm in a situation where I have to have God to be able to survive. And so what we're talking about is being able to, to be humble and surrender yourself to God. I can't live for God unless God helps me. I can't accomplish things for God unless He helps me. And so in Psalm 40, verse 17, David says, "For, But I'm poor, I'm needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help, you're my deliverer. In Psalm 86, 1, David says the same. He says, Bow down your ear to me, O Lord, hear me, for I'm poor, I'm needy. I can't get what I need unless you intercede, unless you help me, and I'm calling, on to you, calling out to you. Psalm 109, verse 22, he said, For I'm poor and needy. My heart is wounded within me. There's some things that can only be healed through your hand. And so, here when we're talking about poor, we're talking about humility. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, where it talks there about God giving grace to the humble. That word humble there is still the same word poor. He resists the proud. The opposite of this poor is prideful. And so here, when Jesus is talking about poor, he's also talking about those that are recognize their spiritual condition, but he's also talking about a humbleness. 
You know, we need to be able to surrender the fact. If God's going to use us, we can't do it on our own. We have to surrender ourselves completely to Him. Totally to Him. Levi, the tax collector. Man, he had some money. But now he surrendered. He walked away from his job. He walked away from everything. He said, Lord, I'm yours. I surrender myself completely to you. Psalm 24.1 says this, that the earth's the Lord and everything in it. God owns everything. You know what? The things I have are not really mine. God owns everything. So what's that make me? The things I have, I'm just actually a steward of. Book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 tells us it's God that gives you the ability to gain wealth. You can't really have wealth unless God blesses you and He's gifted you and given you that ability. You may come up to me and say, Brother Jim, I think you should do this, this, and this. But the truth of the matter is, the things that God's given me, it's not your choice. It's my choice. And the things that God has given you, you're the steward over that. So when you join the church, it's not like the pastor says, okay, here's what you have to do. No, you're the steward. God has made you steward. But what we want to do is surrender ourselves and our things to God so that it's, He can be able to use it. I remember visiting this lady. went to her house. She was in her, she's in her 80s. And so I just commented. She had some decorations up, and I just commented how nice they were. And she says, oh, you want that? I was like, no, no, I, I just, it's just nice. He said, well, you can have it. It's yours. I was like, no, I really don't want it. She said, no, I insist. You take it. And I couldn't get out of it. She, so I took it. So I went over to her niece who lived next door. And I said, listen, uh, she's given me this. I really didn't want this. I just commented on it, and I'm sorry. And so I'll, I'll give it back. You know, here, here it is. And her niece said, no, no. She said, when you go to her house, she said, it doesn't matter who you are. You have to leave with something. She's no longer wedded to her things. That's just what she wants to do. She surrendered everything to the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Things that I have, I want to surrender to God. God, I give these to you, and if you need these for something, help me to be willing to use them for you, not to be so attached to them, but to use them for your honor and glory. And we're just stewards, each of us stewards, surrendered to Christ. These disciples needed to learn something. If you're going to accomplish things for eternity, you've got to surrender yourself. I surrender all and what you have to Christ. And without that, you're poor and you can't, you can't do anything on your own. But when you surrender yourself, God can use it. And He can use it for His glory, His honor. Sacrifice. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians how Jesus was rich, yet He became poor to be able to help us. Jesus left everything in heaven, everything, humbled Himself and became a servant, and then became the ultimate servant by taking up the cross and dying in our place. Let me ask you something. What are you willing to sacrifice? Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. In other words, 
I have suffered greatly for Christ, taken beatings because of Him. Sacrifice. Are we willing to sacrifice for Jesus Christ? You know what's interesting? Jesus turns around and gives a woe. See, the blessing, when He says blessed, He's basically saying, some people translate that as happy, but here's the problem. Happy depends upon circumstance. Blessing right here is more than just happiness. It's having the favor of God upon your life. And so the woe would be just the opposite. It would be having the disfavor of God. And so Jesus then, in the first woe, he said, woe to you who are rich. And here the ideal is prideful. Here the ideal is the person that's living for themselves. The person that's all about me, not about God. Woe to that person. You're not going to have God's favor. I'm going to be a disciple. I was talking with a pastor. He said, you know, a lot of young pastors now, you know what they want? They want the huge churches, the mega churches. They don't want to pastor small churches. They want big. I want to serve God, and I want to be popular. I want to be on TV. I want to write books. I want people wanting my autographs. Who are you serving? God or yourself? And that's the question here. Jesus said, whoa, to those that are rich. I'm trying to be a disciple. Really want to be a disciple? Surrender yourself. If I was to surrender everything to God, that could be dangerous, couldn't it? Tony Evans, you've heard me share this story before. Tony Evans one time was talking with a couple that was having problems. The lady said, well, he's gone every night playing ball. Drive me crazy. He, she said, how are we going to be married if he's playing ball all the time? So the man said, well... Listen, if it means saving our marriage, he said, I'll give up ball. You're more important to me than ball. I'll just give it up. Would you do that? Would you sacrifice something that's so important to you for God? My mom told me when she was in school, the guy that was the very best guy on the ball team, she said he had a temper. Man, did he have a temper. But... God had called him into ministry. And he said, I can't play ball without losing my temper, so I'm just giving it up because i got to honor God. And he just gave it up, tore everybody up. They couldn't believe it. He said, but you know, God's worth more to me than that. God is not interested in taking necessarily things that you enjoy away from you, unless it's sinful. But God needs to be number one. Because he's not going to be able to use that unless you surrender it completely to him. And guess what he can do? He can use your hobbies to open up doors to share the gospel. He can use whatever you like, whatever it may be, to be able to make a difference and an impact. And so, blessed are the poor, those that humble themselves, those that recognize spiritually where they're at. Those that are willing to be able to be used by Christ to sacrifice. Then Jesus 
says, and blessed are the hungry. Those that are hungry now. Now, some people believe that here, Jesus is really talking about those that are hungry. But let me just remind you again of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. In verse 6 of chapter 5, he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake. Let me also remind you, Jesus, John chapter 4, Jesus is there and meets the woman at the well. The disciples had left to go get something to eat. They returned. They said, here, Jesus, you need to eat. And he said, no, no. I've ate some food that you don't know, uh, know of. And they're like, well, who fed him? No, Jesus was being filled because he was doing God's ministry. He hungered and thirsted for the ministry of God. And he was willing to sacrifice for that. Wouldn't it be something if we would just hunger for truth? We would hunger for the Word of God. Write this verse down. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You've got to be careful today because there's a lot of people giving advice, and there's a lot of people telling you what, what right and wrong is, and there's a lot of people that are basically giving you ungodly advice, showing you the ways of sin, making fun of righteousness. The person finds favor of God that does not walk in this type of counsel, does not listen to these individuals. But what? Here's what he says in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. He delights in God's word. He delights in knowing God's will. And in his wall, guess he meditates day and night. He thinks about it. It's on his mind. It's his desire. It's what he wants to do. He wants to honor and to serve God. He wants to know truth. Blessed is the person that wants to know truth. And here, that's what we're talking about. Blessed is the person that hungers for real truth. That has a hunger for the Word of God. For hearing it. For thinking about it. You don't just read it, but you kind of meditate upon it. You're trying to figure out, how does this apply to my life? How can I live out the Word of God? How can I live out truth? Blessed is that person. Blessed is a person that hungers for righteousness. We see so much wickedness around us. Don't you hunger for righteousness? For somebody that's wanting to do what's right. I want to live and do what's right. I just wish... As you went to work or as you go to school, as you watch television or movies or politics, people wanted to do what was right. There was a hunger for godliness, a hunger for a relationship with God. Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger now, that desire to have a relationship with God above all else, to live and to honor Him. Then Jesus, he goes on to tell us that blessed are those who weep now. I've got another verse I want you to write down for this. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6. Here's what it says. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What breaks your heart? 
See, some people are just about pleasure. And Jesus said, woe to the person that just laughs now. That's all about pleasure now. But blessed is the person who weeps, whose heart is broken when they take a look and they look at sin. And they see people's lives being devastated. They see children being abused and being harmed because of sin. Blessed is the person that weeps, that mourns, that it breaks their heart. That blessed is the person that's concerned for the lost. Psalm 126, that's what he's basically telling us. Whenever you go weeping, and you're sowing seed, weeping, it makes a difference. In fact, the psalmist tells us you will have a harvest when you're broken for the lost. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said when there's two that agree on something, that it makes an impact on heaven. That word agreement means with the same type of intensity. So if you ask me, Brother Jim, my child is lost. They don't know Christ. Will you join me in prayer? Well, how are you praying? I pray every day and I weep a little bit. Okay, then that means that I, my, my heart's going to have to become so concerned I'm willing to weep some. Brother Jim, I, I'm actually so concerned that we talked about fasting not long ago that I actually fast once a week, one meal, Praying. Would you do that? Fasting. The same type of intensity makes a difference. When you weep for the lost, when you weep for those that have gone astray, when you weep for those that are just hurting and broken, Jesus said, blessed. So he's just, the disciples here are so excited. They're going to be, it's going to be, this is such a wonderful position. And then Jesus said, wait a second, let me tell you who's blessed, who finds favor. It's those that are poor. It's those that are hungry. It's those that weep and mourn. And then he adds this, it's those that are persecuted. Oh, gosh. See, he's turning this upside down. Do I really want to be a disciple? It's those that are persecuted. They're hated because of me. You know, when I was in seminary, I took this job at a grocery store. One day I went to work. I didn't, I didn't talk a lot, unless I had to. I just show up at work. Well, this lady knew that I was a seminary student. And I just looked up. This lady was working close to where I was at. And uh, I just looked up and I looked at her. And all of a sudden, she just started yelling and screaming at me. Like, what in the world? She's like, you're judging me. I haven't said anything. <laughs> I don't even know what she's talking about. Do you know, sometimes when people know you're a Christian, the Spirit of God just begins dealing with them. There's a guy called me several years ago after being at church one Sunday. He said, I felt like you called me a murderer today. I was like, you know, I never said that. You're, but I'll tell you, his situation, he was living with his, this young lady. And I said, you know, I don't think it's me. I think it's the Holy Spirit that's speaking to you about your situation. 
And if you've got a problem, it's really with God, and you need to do something about that. You know, sometimes when you are living for God, you don't have to do much. And people hate you because they're convicted of their sin. So Jesus said, blessed are you for living a righteous life, for sticking to living for me. Blessed. You may be boycotting. People may not invite you to their outing. I can't have you along because we're going to watch a movie that you wouldn't approve of. We're going to have some alcohol you don't approve of. We're going to do this and you don't approve of. And so you're left out. You're boycotted. They may speak evil of you, gossip of you. They may say things of you that's just not true. Just dragging your name through the mud. What do you do? You know, one of the worst things you can do is get down there with them. You become the opposite of what God wants you. My friend, God knows how to defend His people and will do so. You just continue to stand up for truth, speak truth, to live truth. People that know, they know who you are, what you stand for, and what you're doing. Continue to do what's right. In fact, I'll tell you what Jesus said. You're going to be rewarded in heaven. Now, remember what he told the rich? Those of you who are living for yourself, you know what you're doing? Your rewards are right here. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount told the Pharisees, when you pray, you pray only to be heard by others. You have your reward. When you fast, you fast so others can see it. You have your reward. When you give, you make sure everybody knows you're giving. You've got your reward. Whenever you're striving and living for yourself, that's your reward. But Jesus said, but whenever you're living for me, when you're really blessed, your reward's awaiting you. It's in heaven. You remember Stephen? Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Stephen, the knowledge he had. And Stephen began to share. He was standing before the Pharisees on trial. They were... And Stephen began to share with them the history of Israel, and they didn't like it. And he began to point fingers at them, and they were under conviction, and then they started stoning Stephen. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that Stephen looked up, and he saw the heavens open, and he saw Jesus Christ standing. The Bible tells us that right now, Jesus is at the right hand of God, sitting. He makes intercession for us. But Stephen was dying. They were killing him. And Jesus was standing. It was almost as if Jesus was saying, well done. It's almost as if Jesus was giving his applause. Let me tell you something. You can live for the applause of men. Or you can ultimately live for the applause of God. It's your choice. Jesus said to the disciples, because temptation was there. He's speaking directly to them. You want to be my disciple? Here's who's blessed. Here's who's going to find favor. Here's who's going to be rewarded. Here is what it takes to be a true disciple. What about you today? 
Do you want to really be a true disciple? Are you willing to be able to sacrifice? Are you willing to be able to say, Lord, I trust you. I want your hand of favor upon me. I want your peace. More than anything, I want your applause. I know it's worth it. In the end, your rewards are far greater. Your accomplishments will make an eternal difference. I want to live for you.